God always has a chosen remnant that obeys him, that he protects. So there was a remnant in Genesis 6, as we saw the flood, uh, and God protected Noah and his family. There, there, if you look at uh, 1 Kings 19, Elijah was told by God that there were 17,000, or sorry, 7,000 that had not bowed their knee to Baal. Uh, Isaiah uh, 10 discusses the remnant of Israel that are delivered from the destruction of the Assyrians. Uh, but the problem is the world thinks of remnants as rubbish trash. Nothing really to think about. Think of when you're laying carpet or somebody's laying carpet. What do they do with the remnants? They, they just throw them out of the way. Uh, they, they're getting in the way of the homogenous uh, uniform carpet. They're, they're, they're a problem. Uh, the world prefers the homogenous or uniform sinfulness that is characteristic of our wider culture. Uh, the world doesn't respect the remnants of the world. Uh, and in fact, the world, most of the world sees these remnants as in the way of progress. But God sees his remnant as set apart, as highly valuable, as holy unto him. And in a world where most go along with the flow of the culture and the uniform, uniformity of sinfulness, God still has a remnant even today. He has a people that is set apart for his glory. So let's dive into today's scripture. We're going to be in Haggai again. If you remember, uh, this is a couple of books back from Matthew, only two chapters. But we're going to be in Haggai uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. So let's look at another remnant that God has here today. Again, Haggai 1, 12 says this, Then Zerubbabel, the, sh the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God, has sent him. And the people feared the Lord. And Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people, with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month of the second year of Darius the king. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that that you always have a remnant, that, that you always have a group of people that you have set apart for your glory, that, that want to obey your voice and follow you because of your great love for them, because of your great work in them, your protective work, your sanctifying work, your saving work that you do in them. And God, as we, as we read about this group here who repent and respond to your word, this responding remnant. And God, may, may we be that responding remnant today in a culture, in a world that continues to want to dispose of the remnants, that wants to acclimate and join even in the so-called churches of our area and of our culture, of our nation, and even of our world. So many want to be a part of the homogenous and uniform sinful culture that we live in. May we be a people that stands for your word. May we be a people who obey your word and who love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, be with us as we go through this message today and help it to not only enter our minds and help us to grow in our knowledge of your scripture, but may it go into our hearts. May it change us from the inside out. May, it in, may we be empowered through your word today to walk in the way that we should go. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Amen. 
So today we're going to see three ways the word of the Lord requires a response. And first off, the word of the Lord requires engagement. The word of the Lord requires engagement. I'm going to reread verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. So last week we heard the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. He called them out for their sinfulness. Uh, he called them out uh, and he called them to obey the word of the Lord, to rebuild the house of the Lord, the, the temple. He called out their selfishness. They had built the, their own paneled houses. They were all decorated. They were all done, but the, the house of the Lord remained in rubble. And, and yet he, he called them out also because of their fear of those around them, the, the persecution that they were experiencing, that they feared man more than they feared God. And in verse 12, though, we see that the people feared the Lord now. They, they feared the Lord. After hearing the word of the Lord, they feared the Lord. And, and this, this group, this remnant of Israel, who had traveled probably some 900 miles from exile, and there's probably around 50,000 of them is what most scholars think, they're now finally ready to fully commit to the word of the Lord. They finally understood who was truly in charge of their lives. It wasn't themselves. It wasn't the people persecuting them, but it was the Lord, their God. And, and those who persecuted them had no power when they when he looked how big God was. They finally feared God more than they feared man. And we can learn from this as well, friends. Uh, so many people fear man. They're afraid of what others might think of them if they speak the truth. Uh, they're, they're, they're scared of what others might think of them if they share the gospel with others. Uh, they're scared or afraid of what might happen to them at their job if they stand for the truth. They're afraid of what might happen if they try to leave their families biblically, what their other family will say, their extended family will say. My friends, we are wrong to fear man. We should not fear God, or we should, we should fear God and not fear man. L listen to what Jesus says about fearing man versus fearing God in Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Is that not a tough verse? That comes from Jesus, but Jesus is all love. He never says anything judgmental. Um, I, I beg to differ. That was probably the, one of the most harsh verses in all of Scripture, uh, that, that God can throw you, he can kill you, and he can throw you into hell. So fear him a lot more than somebody who can just kill you. This is a wake-up statement, isn't it? Don't, don't fear man who can just kill the body. I know that's, that can make us fearful. Uh, persecution, throwing us in jail, killing us. Like That sounds pretty fearful, but eternity burning in hell sounds a whole lot worse to me, that, uh, my friends. But brothers and sisters, we live in a world that fears man immensely. Uh, most people in our culture are so afraid to speak anything that is truth because it may offend someone else. They're afraid to discuss biblical views on sexuality, anything that's not politically correct. And even the clergy, again, I say clergy because these people are not pastors. I'm not going to use a biblical word like pastor, overseer, elder, because that is actually a biblical uh, office in the church that is appointed by God uh, that we should recognize but these people are not clergy because they are not shepherds of God's people. They are shepherds of goats, not sheep. And even many clergy in these denominations refuse to speak out against the sexual deviance and the other deviances of our society. And in fact, they not only support it, but they use the word of God to twist it, to make it say what they want it to say. And they call God a liar. How dreadful is the judgment upon those who call God a liar. May we pray for their salvation, that they repent of their evil ways and those others that are listening to them, but they repent and follow God. But when considering fearing God, what should we do with this word 
fear? You know, what, what, how should we fear God? Should we run from God? Should we avoid God like we avoid that dark alley in Charleston or in Huntington? It's like, I'm not going down there. It's dark and bad things happen in dark alleys. Is that how we're supposed to fear God? Absolutely not. We, we, we see at the end uh, of verse 12, and the people feared the Lord. Uh, this type of fear is a healthy fear. It's a reverential respect for God. He is all-powerful, and we recognize that in reverential fear. And this, this word, this, those of the world pale in comparison to the power of God. So when we see God and we reverentially fear Him, we see the power that God has, and then we see the world and what man can do to you, then all of a sudden our fear is rightly placed to obey and respect God. And a healthy fear and respect for God should lead us to repentance and obedience. We should turn from our evil, wicked ways, and we should turn toward God. And it should lead us to love and appreciate what he does for us and how he protects us. And this remnant here had been protected. They've been delivered and, and actually even been encouraged to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem by a pagan king because of the favor and the majesty and glory and sovereignty of, of God. And, and so we, when we are right with the Lord, we can run into the arms of the Lord because we know that he is there for us. His love and protection is for us. Uh, the little g fake God of our world today that many of these clergy out there that they preach is not a God who is strong. He's not a God that can protect you from evil. He's not a God that, can, that is going to judge anyone. He's not a God that's going to be for justice and righteousness. He's a God that's going to leave you and hang you out to dry because he's not real. You want a God, the God, Yahweh, Jehovah, uh, Jesus Christ. We want a God, and you should want a God. You should want to worship a God who, yes, he is fully loving, and he loves us, and he died on the cross for our sins. How amazing is that? But you want a God who can protect you, who can watch over you, who is sovereign and has a strong right arm to make justice happen. You want a God that says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, saith the Lord. You don't have to avenge yourself. He will avenge you. That's the kind of God we worship, my friends. We don't want this soft, cuddly, fake teddy bear Jesus that isn't real. We want a Jesus who is man enough to take the nails on the cross and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We, we want a God who is going to come back and make things right, and that is the God of the Bible. Praise the Lord for that, my friends. In a right response of obedience, the people of Israel in the fear of the Lord, led by Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest, obey the voice of the Lord. God, is, God was obviously pleased with our obedience, as we, we see later in this book, but as a pastor, I wonder how Haggai felt after delivering this message and the people responding in obedience to the Lord. Now, there's nothing more encouraging than seeing the church respond to the preached word, my friends. There's nothing more encouraging than seeing the, the church respond to the preached word. I am no prophet, Old Testament prophet, who speaks the very words of God. I will be the first one to tell you I do not speak that way, but I do my best to preach the word of God and to preach it accurately. But when you as the flock listen to the word and I can watch your lives, and I can see people make changes, their faith has increased, their fear has decreased, and they understand God in an even deeper way. I can't tell you how elated and joyful I am to watch you all continue to grow through the Word of God. Not because of how great I am, but because of how great God is and how great His Word is. And it promises not to return void. It promises to be sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating, dividing your souls and spirit, joints and marriage. It promises to convict and draw to repentance. How 
amazing is that? And I pray each, each week we come here and we hear the word, pray that all of us are, leave here more changed. Obviously, some weeks we're going to be changed more than others. The Holy Spirit works at differing measures each week and each one of us as we allow him. But I pray that we are more sanctified each week. I know that I, as I prepare each week, I know that God is working on me, and I pray that God is continuing to work on you. There's one phrase I don't want us to, to miss here. So we go back to this verse 12 here. It says, the Lord, what? Their God. If you recall, what did the Lord say last time about these people? It was these people. It wasn't my people. It was these people because these people are disobedient. They're not my people. My people obey my voice. Even as Jesus says, my, 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 my sheep hear my voice and they follow. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. God's people obey God. Christ's people obey Christ. Another way we can see who a false teacher is. Those who don't obey God are not true followers of God. But here we see the restoration of this remnant that God is now the Lord, their God. And as believers, we understand and know that God is our God. Jesus Christ is our Savior. I pray that that is what you can say. I pray that like David in Psalm 23, you can say this, the Lord is my shepherd. He is our shepherd. He is my shepherd. And I pray that he is your shepherd. It is a personal relationship that you need to have with Jesus Christ. It's not he's our collective shepherd only. He is our shepherd and he does shepherd us. I'm an under shepherd to God. God is our shepherd, not me. God is our shepherd. But is he your personal shepherd? Shepherd, I pray that you've humbled yourself before Jesus Christ, that you've put your faith and trust in the God of the Bible, the only real God that there is, the Lord Jesus Christ, because there is no other name in which we may be saved, as Acts 4, 12 states. The word of the Lord requires engagement. And next we see the word of the Lord provides encouragement. Let me reread verse 13. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. Just let that sit for a minute. I am with you, declares the Lord. Is there a better message these people could ever hear in their lives? They've just been called these people, like you're not even mine. You know, like they've just been there, and now the Lord says, I am with you. Wow, that is quite the encouragement. I am with you. Uh, so who, who is with them? Who, who is this person that states that I am? am with you. Who is this person that states that I am with us, that, that is with us now, even today? And this is the great I am. This is the same I am that created the heavens and the earth. It's the same I am that put breath in their lungs. It's the same I am that destroyed large armies just like that with Sennacherib, with 185,000 people just destroyed in a moment, time. It's the same I am that can calm the storms, that can part the seas, rain down manna from heaven, and bring rain during a drought. This I am is Jehovah Jireh of G Genesis twenty two fourteen. When Abraham goes and starts to kill his son, and Jesus or God God provides a ram in the thicket, a sign of the the other the other thing the great I am would do as the Lord who is our provider Jehovah Jireh the Lord who provides, he provides a sacrificial atonement for our sins through Jesus Christ, and this wonderful God who is the God who provides is still saving souls today. And for those who are in Christ, those who have believed in the sinless Son of God, truly man, truly God, came to earth 2,000 years ago, died on the cross for our sins, rose three days later, that 
same God continues to save people today. And he offers that salvation to each one of us. That great I am still offers the promise for those who are obedient to him as well, who have placed their faith. Hopefully all of us here, we can say the Lord is with us. God states, I am with you. If you recall, last week we discussed how God did not just reveal himself as Yahweh or Jehovah alone. At the beginning, whenever he's talking to people, he calls himself the Lord of hosts, which is Jehovah Sabaoth. And, and although God will continue to reveal himself in this form throughout the book, you'll note that he is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, their God. And we're going to see this time and time again. He is on behalf of them. He is for them. And that's the God that we have, friends. We have the Lord of hosts, the, the Lord of angel armies. Jehovah Sabaoth is for you. He is on your side. We don't need to fear. Just like that, the, the second song we sang, or maybe the last song we sang, like it was so, so great to see that the enemy seems like he's prevailing. But the Lord of hosts, the Lord our God, continues to save and protect. But here we see at the end of verse 13, he ends with his covenantal name only, Jehovah or Yahweh. How amazing is that? So this group who were these people in Haggai 1-2 are now, now his people. I love how Haggai introduces himself in verse 13 as well. He calls himself a messenger of the Lord, and he comes to bring a message to the people of God. And again, I'm no Old Testament prophet, but I want, to hear, I want you to hear the message God has for us today. If you are an obedient follower of Jesus Christ, you have this promise for you as well. See Hebrews 13.5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Again, I am with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Obey Christ, trust him to provide for your daily bread, and he promises he is with you. Or look at Matthew 28.20 and the the end of the Great Commission. We need to to go out and share the gospel and disciple people. Uh, He says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Don't forget that part. We need to obey him. If we are truly his, we obey him. And he says what? I am with you. How long? To the end of the age. How, how beautiful is that? He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to get you in a place and then leave you. Even if you get to the point like John Huss, even if you get to the point like William Tyndale, even if you get to the point where you're, where, you know, wherever you're at, persecution, he's there with you. If you're in jail, if you're being burned alive at the stake, if you're being, he is with you. He's there to deliver you, and he promises salvation for you if you are in him. Maybe you need to hear that today, my friends. Maybe, maybe the, you need to hear that the Lord is with you. Maybe you feel lonely. Maybe you feel like, I don't feel like he's really walking with me. Maybe you feel like a remnant at your school or workplace. Maybe you feel like a remnant even in your home. You're like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm that weird person that always wants to follow God, but everybody looks at me like I'm trash. So I just need to be thrown out. I'm just getting in the way. I, I'm a holy roller. Nobody wants to be around me. You know, they, they, they just don't like the way I, you know, that I, don't, I don't agree with them. I, they don't invite me to things because they know I don't want to go to that. Maybe you feel like that scrap of carpet that just keeps tossed, getting, getting tossed about, thrown in the closet, thrown outdoors, uses a, a mat people can wipe their feet on before they come into the house. You don't fit in. You're not part of the homogenous and uniform sinful culture around you. I pray that you know that God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. You are not alone. He is there. Trust the Lord. 
Do not be afraid of the world and what it says, but listen to God as he encourages even Joshua here. Let's, let's look at Joshua 1.9. Joshua's pretty afraid. He's about to take over the people for Moses. And God says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous, friends. Do not fear this world. You don't need to be dismayed, which means discouraged or downhearted or shattered. You can be courageous because God is with you. And know that as God calls you to walk in the works that he has provided for you, as we see in Ephesians 2.10, know that God does not call you to do things for him. He calls you to do things with him. Understand that, friends. You can't do anything for God. You bring nothing to the table, and you need to understand that. And that's the intimidating part of stepping into these uh, venues, stepping into these things, having these hard conversations with people, sharing the gospel. It's so overwhelming because we're like, oh, I need to do this for God. Uh, you know, I need to do this for God. Well, you, you can't. But he can do it through you, in you, and with you. You can be assured of the promise, of that promise that he will walk with you if you keep him your first priority, love him above all else, and you can walk confidently ahead knowing that God sovereignly walks with you. No matter what happens, you know who holds the future. The word of the Lord most certainly provides encouragement here. The Lord is with us. And finally, the word of the Lord provides empowerment. The word of the Lord provides empowerment. I'm going to read, read verse 14 first here. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Well, leadership we see is extremely important. The Lord stirs up who first? The, the leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua. But he doesn't just start there, or just stop there. He, he stirs up all of the people. It's not just leaders who need to follow Christ. And in a completely dedicated way, it is each individual believer that needs to as well. And so the Lord stirs up the heart of all of the people. And before we move forward, I think it's important for us to understand how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament, how he works in the New Testament. If we look at the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. And by that, coming upon people, we think about Samson and Saul, people like that, who the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they're empowered to lead God's people, but what happened to both of those men? The Holy Spirit departed from those people. So the Holy Spirit at that point, he, he would work upon people, but he didn't work in people the same way as he does today. Uh, if we look at the New Covenant, we have a different promise today, and it's a beautiful promise. If we look today, he comes into a person and indwells them. He, he's, he lives inside of us, and he takes over us. He's a part of us. And when, so when someone repents of their sins, turns to Christ alone for salvation, is regenerated, born again, the Holy Spirit indwells a person. And, and this isn't the Holy Spirit that can depart. Those who are truly saved, they have a guarantee or seal of salvation, as Ephesians 1.14 states here, a guarantee of our inheritance. How beautiful is that for those who are truly his? And they also, we were promised in John 10, 28, that they will never be plucked or snatched out of the Father's hand. Amen. You will never be plucked or snatched out of the Father's hand. But that is only if you are truly in Christ. So make sure you are truly in Christ, because if you are, you can go so confidently because you know who holds the future. You know where you're going. You have a sovereign Savior who watches over you. And God does not only give this encouragement here, we, we, we see that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the work. 
Put the last half of 14 here. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. These people are a changed people, my friends. They are a repentant people, and they are an obedient people. And, and now they are not living for themselves any longer. They're living for the Lord. They're living for God. It's a people working for Jehovah Sabaoth, who is for them. Brothers and sisters, we must also respond to the word of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies, the Lord of all power, the omnipotent God. So what is your response whenever you hear this, 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 this scripture preached? Uh, is he the Lord, your God, as we mentioned before? Is he your shepherd? I pray that he is. And how much better is it to be able to call him the Lord of hosts, my God? How much more empowered is that to say the Lord of hosts, my God, the Lord of angel armies, my God, the sovereign creator, my God? How much better is it to be able to say I am an adopted son or daughter of the Lord of hosts, my God? And I pray that he is your God. Finally, we come to verse 15. On the 24th day of the month, the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Here we're given another date as we talked about the different dates here. Verse 1 told us that the word of the Lord came the first day of the sixth month. Now we're the 24th day. So some 23 odd days have happened between the word of the Lord coming the first time and the people obeying the word of the Lord here. Yet we see a people who have been changed from the inside out. We've seen a repentant and a responding remnant who are stirred up by the Holy Spirit and walking in obedience, empowered by God. And context would tell us probably here that these people responded fairly quickly in obedience and in repentance. We see a changed people, a people who fear the Lord God. And some have written, well, why did it take three weeks, about three weeks-ish, in order for them to get started? Uh, you know, here's just a few ideas. Uh, they had to draw up plans, obviously. They had to get an itinerary of items. They had to organize the people. Uh, they had to clear out any debris that would have been there. They had to go and get wood, as the Lord had commanded them. They had to do that before they could even start. And it was also a time of harvest for, for figs and grapes in the, in the area, and they had to multitask most likely at first, too. But there's likely other reasons. But we see here that this is a people that responded quickly. This is a people who turned from their sins and turned toward God. And now they are encouraged and empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out what the Lord has called them to do. As we come to a close, I want you to think about this word of the Lord that came to Haggai, or came through Haggai to the people. And I want you to think, is there something in your life? You know, they, they were called to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Is there something God is calling you to step out in faith to do? Is, is there something as you think about this, as you hear this message, as the Holy Spirit illuminates or shines a light on the scripture and illustrates and applies it to your life personally? What is God calling you to step out in faith to do? Is it to be saved? If, if you're not saved, that's the first thing you do before anything else. Is it to serve in some type of ministry? Is it to step up and join the church? Is it to step up and be baptized? Is it to step up and serve in your community? I, I don't know what that is. I, I don't want to fill that blank in for you because the Holy Spirit needs to speak to you in your life about what God is calling you to step up in, into. And, and is it something that just seems too difficult? I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not good enough to do that. I've got things in my life that I need to get better you know, I, I got to get good before I can be better. You know, whatever that is, I can promise you that if you do take that step, he will go with you, and he will encourage you all along the way. He will empower you. L listen to Haggai's contemporary, Zechariah. We talked about how, how they worked kind of together in tandem here for a short period of time. Zechariah 4, 6 says this, 
Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Remember, we, we already heard him here. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can only accomplish the plans of the Lord by the Lord's empowerment in your life. Uh, don't spend time focusing on your gifts, what you can and cannot do. Uh, don't give God all these excuses about, well, I've got this and I'm not able to do this. I'm, we need to be focused on God, and our God can do anything through anyone. Listen to Paul in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Anything God calls you to do, he will equip you to get it done. Even if you don't have the ability, he will equip you and give you that ability. So be strong and courageous like Joshua and Paul and step out in faith. Be obedient to the Lord. And I pray that you are a part of that responding remnant that we've heard here today. That God always protects, always loves, and continues to hold in, hold in his hand. I pray that you each are a part of that remnant of the new covenant that Christ asserts that no one can snatch away. Reverentially fear God and keep his commandments. Church, may the Lord always go with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message today. Thank you for telling us that you are with us. Uh, in, a, in a world where it seems like everyone is against us, in, in a culture that seems like it is just dead set against you and against any good or morality, you are with us. Even when it doesn't feel like it, you are with us. Even when we feel alone, you are with us. You go before us, you work in and through us, and you walk with us through the fire. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked in the fiery furnace, you were with them. As David fought Goliath, you were with him. As Joshua led many battles to, to fight for Israel, you were with him. As Paul was imprisoned time and time again, shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, you were with him. And God, you are that same God, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies, Jehovah Sabaoth. You are with us. And thank you for being with us, God. May we walk this week in the spirit of power, your power, not our own, knowing that it's not by our might, not by our power, but by your spirit that we can do anything, Lord. And may you help us to make a difference for your kingdom. We love you, we praise you, we thank you, and amen.